Father, we thank you for the privilege of preaching. And uh, I ask that you would extend preaching grace even now. Forgive me of my sin and things that I've done that have not pleased you. Look beyond my fault and see our need. Father, speak to me, through me, and for me. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank Dr. Holmes and the faculty for allowing me to come and share. It is a privilege to stand and preach in the place, or as I like to call, Jesus School. Amen. I want to, um, as we, Dr. Holmes read earlier, <coughs> Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. I won't read them again since he has already read them. I want to use, if I had to tag this text, I would tag it, the bigger picture. The bigger picture. This minor prophet has a major problem. The people have disobeyed God, not responding to God. And he's asking God, when are you going to intervene. It is reminiscent of our world today where it seems like the church in a way has gone crazy in that now it has become commonplace for pulpits to be filled with preachers who preach to fill pockets but never take time to have transformed hearts. Habakkuk says, Lord, I got a problem. And the Lord tells Habakkuk basically this, Habakkuk, you think I'm not doing anything. You think I'm sitting and just inactive. You think that things are going on that somehow I'm not in control. Somehow the world has gotten an upper hand on me. Doesn't it feel that way sometimes in our world? When we look around, seemingly uh, sin has been given a free pass. And people seemingly now are more vile than they've ever been. And the church sit back and says, God, where are you? The crazy thing about this is God answers Habakkuk and tells him, I'm doing something so significant that if I told you, you would not even believe it. I'm raising up the Chaldeans and I'm going to use them for my glory. In other words, God is saying, I'm going to use somebody who you believe is more wicked than you to correct your righteousness. Sometimes the church, we get caught up and we have the audacity to look down our noses at those who are struggling with this and that and we put on our pseudo super uh, spirituality to say that somehow we are better than other people. God says, how do you not know that I'm not using COVID-19 
to humble my church? How do you not know that I'm not using different things that are going on in the world? How do you not know that I, they are not instruments in the hand of the almighty God? So this prophet finally goes, sits down at the rampart, and he begins to hear from God. God tell him, listen, I want you to write the vision. I want you to make it plain. Write it so big that if you had to run, you could read it while you were running. Write it so plain that the simplest person could read it and understand what I am doing. Everybody wants to know what is God doing? What is he up to? And God says, write it down that I'm going to use those who you don't feel are qualified for use to correct you. And nobody likes to be corrected. When I took Dr. Parsons' class, I had to learn to be okay with correction. <laughs> Dr. Holmes has taught me about being okay with correction. And let me just say all the professors have taught me that. Finally, he says, the just shall live by faith. The only way you make it through situations where it seems like God has gone asleep is through the eyes of faith. In chapter 3, Habakkuk says, in verse 16, he says, I have some internal problems that are happening because it seems like God has gone on vacation. He says, my inward parts trembled. And I need to tell you, he says, my, my lips, I mean, my inward parts trembled and my lips are quivering and decay into my bones and I tremble in my place. I tremble because I have to wait patiently for the day of distress. I believe Rebecca teaches us three things. First of all, he teaches us that we have to learn to see beyond where we are sitting. He says, I'm trembling and I'm waiting for this day of distress. The day that I'm not looking forward to, but I'm waiting on it. And I think if the church has a problem with anything from God, it is the problem of waiting. Most of us feel like God is taking too long. As a matter of fact, when bills are due and you need to pay them, seems like the payday is taking too long. He said you have to see beyond where you are sitting. I remember sitting in a class uh, taught by Dr. Erickson. He taught about, yes, I do remember something from your class, Dr. Erickson. 
he was talking about um, W.A. Criswell. And I began to do research on this man and I was shocked to find out that in 1955 in Houston, he delivered an address that um, was an encouragement for segregation. I sat in class and I began to think to myself, how in the world can this champion for preaching and for Christ preach such a vile thing? can this happen in the church of God in the SBC how can this be and while sitting at my desk I was convicted by God it's almost if God told me if you feel that way about him you ought to feel that way about yourself because you and WA need the same person and that both of you need me. The only way we are able to see life the way we should is at the foot of the cross where master and slave bow simultaneously at the holiness and awesomeness of God. He says, I'm trembling, I'm waiting for the day of destruction verse 17 he said though the fig tree should not blossom and no fruit on the vines no yield of the olive it, it should fail and no produce no food and the flock should be cut off no cattle in the stall the worst thing that can happen to us is not the loss of delicate foods or animals that plow fields. The worst thing that can happen to us would be for us to be abandoned by God. But wait, many of us say that God has abandoned us, but I need to tell you, if you say he has abandoned you, you first need to acknowledge that he's been there. Because he can't leave a place he was not first present. Not only must we see what beyond where we're sitting, we have to learn how to celebrate God's faithfulness. He said, I'm going to exalt in the Lord. It is easy to praise God over things. But it takes discipline to praise God in things. It's easy to praise him over a new car, over a new house, over a baby being born. But it's difficult to praise him in bereavement, in stress, in depression. But he says, I will exalt in the Lord. I will lift up his name. I will Praise his name, even though there will be casualties, God is still good. He said, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation, the God of my deliverance. I need to ask you a question. Who is it that has delivered you? 
If you can find no other reason to exalt or praise God, it ought to be in the fact that God has delivered you. I don't know about you. My background is a little different from a lot of you in here. I was not born in church on the altar and looked up at the picture painted of Jesus my whole life. My life entailed some drug dealing and all kinds of things. Though I lost everything I had one day. I had money, I had possessions, I had friends, but I lost it all only to find out that I was poor when I had money, possessions, and friends. But I lost it in order to find. Matter of fact, let me change that. I didn't find Jesus. He found me. Well, see, if we find him, that would suggest that he is lost. But he found me. He has this global system of knowing no matter where we are, he can locate us and found us. Since he found me, I found a friend that is closer than a brother. I found peace in the midst of my storm. I, I, I found joy and sorrow. I, I found it not in weed and marijuana and alcohol and drugs, but I found the greatest high in the Lord Jesus. That is why I can rejoice. Lastly, he said, the Lord is my strength, unlike the, the strength of um, his enemies. He says, God is my strength. He has made my feet like hind's feet, made me to walk in my high places. If we know anything about a hind, a hind is a female deer. And a hind is known for being sure-footed. This hind, I was watching a um, documentary. Hind was in the mountains and the mountain lion was after it. The mountain lion can navigate in the mountains as well. But the hind was running for its life. Even in a rocky place, the hind was able to get away. The hind made a sudden move. And the hind's move was swift it was precise but when the mountain lion tried to do the same thing it stumbled and got off of its course the Lord will allow you to be sure-footed in unstable places when we exalt in him we must reaffirm our trust in the Lord if we're going to make it through the pandemic, if you're going to make it through the bills that are due, if you're going to make it through Dr. Parsons' class, <laughs> you have to put your trust, reaffirm your trust 
in God. Don't get so caught up in yourself. Well, you're so saved that the vilest individual is beyond your testimony. Don't get so high that only Christians need to hear from you. But the sinners on your street never hear you talk about Jesus. Don't be afraid for people to bring up your past. I'll close with this. I have a nickname that was used um, when I was in the uh, pharmaceutical business. <laughs> they called me cornbread because I was known for having bread, money, bread. One day on Gentry, I got out of the car at a Shell gas station, the same gas station where I used to station workers to sell the crack cocaine. This was after about 15 years of pastoring Pleasant Grove. I got out of my car and somebody yelled across the parking lot, hey, cornbread. <laughs> my daughter was with me. She looked at me like, daddy, who is cornbread? Yeah. For many, they would shy away from people reminding them of their past. But your past is your greatest testimony tool. I began to share with the individual, listen, yes, I used to do those things. Yes, I'm guilty of these things. Yes, I used to be that person. But let me tell you about somebody who will get you higher than you've ever been. Let me tell you about Jesus who died on the cross out on Calvary while you were still in your sins, deserving of hell, not deserving of life. And he died. He knew you would mess up, but he died in spite of you. But thank God, if I was in my church, I would say it like this. Early Sunday morning, he got up. God raised him from the dead with all power in his hand. It's not about what's happening around us. It's about what Christ has done for us. He has chosen us. And that, my friends, is the bigger picture. God bless you. Yeah. Yeah.